say. God, I pray that we would be uh, prepared to change anything in our lives, Lord, that we would be, uh, we'd be motivated to go and share the gospel with people, God, that we would be, uh, for the ones who are uh, discouraged right now, I pray that they would be lifted up and uh, that you would just encourage them with your spirit, God. Uh, thank you so much for dying on the cross to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Three to, what we do, three to seven? Alright, had a blank moment there. Three to seven, y'all can go. Everybody else, open your Bible up to Ephesians chapter four. You know, I've been going through the book of Ephesians, and uh, one thing I noticed that, it, that Ephesians is a book that builds. It starts off with what we have because of what Christ has accomplished for us, who we are in Christ if you're a born-again believer. And uh, then it goes into uh, God's design for the church and how it should function and the way it should work. <clears throat> and He keeps building and He talks about the family and later, and we'll get to that in chapter 5 and 6. And then in 6, he, he uh, I think He tops it all off and gives you the reason for which you better listen to the first five chapters. And He says in... Um, and I'm going to get right to it. He says in chapter 6 and verse 10, let me find it because this is not what I wrote down. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. And so he brings us to the point to understand, I wrote this book because of what you as God's people and as the church are going to deal with and face. And here's the thing. <clears throat> if each one of you were on a on an airplane, they was flying you over to uh, Saudi Arabia or Iraq or someplace like that because you were in the military and, and that you were going to battle tomorrow, how many of you would have the same mindset then as you do today. How many of you come here today with a mindset of I'm in a battle and this is a war and God's enlisted me and I'm a, I'm a soldier and there are souls at stake, there are lives at stake, there are families at stake, there is youth at stake and I want to not only know my part but I want to engage in that because I, I when I come this morning I come to prepare you for that so if you're if you're not into that, then here's, here's the God's honest truth. You are either in the battle, engaged in it, or the battle's coming to you. And, and maybe some of you sit idly by and you're not engaged in it, you don't have that mindset, and you don't think in that way. And I would just about, you know, bet everything that I got. If you have that mindset that you are one that probably your home is divided and, and probably in chaos and that you're consumed by stress and the cares and the world and depression and, and all those things and you wonder why those things are and it's because you kick back and relax and you let the devil bring the battle to you instead of you carrying it to him. And so hopefully you'll leave with a little bit different mindset today. Because <coughs> um, I'm, I'm going to tell you a real quick story. Some of you already know last night me and uh, me and Willie was hunting together and and we was at a place uh, where we, when we finished up hunting my wife had went with us and she was visiting with the lady whose place we was hunting on and when I got back up to the to the house there uh, this lady come out and she said you need to go uh, your daughter has been in a wreck and your wife is 
that just left and you need to call her and I said you know is she okay is she okay she said I don't know and so naturally you know what's going through my mind and she wrecked on 294 so that thing's ringing just a little bit Jamie she wrecked it she had a bad wreck out off of 294 on a hill there she went to pass somebody who wasn't driving very good and and when she went to pass he come over and boom hit her in 55 miles an hour into the ditch in a spin and it could have went really bad and and I could be at a funeral uh, preparing for funeral arrangements this morning but glory to God uh, I'm not and she's good and everything's great and uh, the Lord spared us of that I, I I give glory to God thank the people in this church who pray for our family every day and cover us in that in that prayer but but I say that to say this life changes in a moment you know you sit here relaxed today and we all do and we expect what happened yesterday is going to be the same thing that happened today we're not ever going to have to experience tragedy or or loss or anything like that and then all of a sudden something happens and God does a little shake and he wakens us up to go you know what the people that you're sitting next to you're not promised that they're going to be here tomorrow and they might be lost and you need to consider their eternity and and uh, so I just hope that God kind of shakes you a little bit today and, and that you figure out that you are as God's people that, that it's your salvation it's not just about you it's not just about you going to heaven you, you're here and you have a purpose God designs the church to uh, fulfill His purpose here. And, so, and I want to start off with this this week because I kind of beat you all up last Sunday pretty good. But it's okay. Y'all made it through and some of you come back. And uh, so I'm gonna, I want to say this. A lot of times I do a lot of beating and I'm going to do a little building this morning. I am very, very grateful to be a part of this church. Very grateful. Um, there are so many things that God is doing in, through this church and uh, in the community that glorifies God and lives are being changed and souls are being saved. And, and I, sh- I wrote down some of the things that come to my mind. And honestly, I can stand up here from people that call us and text us and tell us things that are going on, things that we see in our lives that, that God's doing right now. It's like, man, the Jesus freight train is coming through and you're either on board or you're not. And, and so we, me, and, me and Jake and... And Willie and Little Randall and several other teachers have been preaching on the church and, and, and its purpose and, and what it should be and what it's not. And so I do want to encourage and build you all this morning just kind of let you know what's going on. you got Haley who trusted in Jesus as her Savior and, and she was led to the king in the king's living room. Ain't that awesome? I love it that, I mean, I'll, I'll take it on a Sunday, but when people start getting saved on Monday and Tuesday and and it was so awesome. I was really discouraged after last Sunday when I left. I thought, man, the message was terrible, and, and it's not what I wanted. And, and anyhow, uh, and I got up Monday morning, and I prayed. Lord, I said, Lord, will you, will you please save somebody today? Because <laughs> it don't have to be on Sunday. Right. You know, the Bible says daily the Lord added to the church. And then when Jeff called me that afternoon, he told me, Haley got saved. I said, God, you're just amazing. And uh, and I won't call names, but there's another couple that just trusted in the Lord and their lives being changed as we speak and they're connected to the church. And then y'all know of Dennis. Dennis came around and he don't mind me sharing. Dennis been homeless, had a bad deal with his health and, and he come around and Cody and his wife showed the hands of Jesus to him and, and the church got involved with his life and now he has a place to live and he's got a job and God healed his hand and... That's amazing, and he's following the Lord, and other people coming to Jesus through that. And I know a lot of you reach out, and I hear it all the time how you're telling people about the Lord, and you're discipling people, and you're connecting with people in the church, and 
people are hearing the gospel and God's opening doors and people are praying. And, and so awesome things are stirring and, and happening in this church. We started praying a while back, God shake us, you know, bring us to a place to wake us up. And, and I'm seeing that. I'm seeing so many people who you are allowing God to work in through your lives and, and we see the Lord's hand moving and, and another cool thing was I think we had, I don't know how many it was, but we had like six positions that needed to be filled in the children's ministry that Rusty mentioned last Sunday. And you know, the children's ministry is one sometimes it's hard to fill the role that needs to be filled in. And I think every one of those positions got filled by Monday. I thought, thank you God for people, you know, who care enough to sacrifice and surrender to, to that. And so it's amazing. When you look in the scripture, when you look today at what God can do through a group of people who are just average people who love Jesus and simply want to use what God's blessed them with and the gift that God's given them, you know, and I taught in Sunday school this morning, didn't know what it was, but I taught in, on, on the church that the fact that the church is a force that is to be reckoned with. That we shouldn't be ignored. Our community should hear of and know that God's power and presence in this church. When, when our community refers to or somebody out there refers to Cedar Creek you know, Baptist Church, I don't want our reputation to be, yeah, man, it's a great worship or good music or the preaching, blah, blah, blah. I want it to be God's power is in that church. God's, you can see God moving in the lives of the people and the testimony. And another cool thing was there's a, there's some folks going to our church down. And that, uh, and the reason that they're here is because they saw, you know, God moving in, and there's several of you, I believe, would testify to that. You saw God moving in somebody else's life and the change that, that Jesus has made in them. And you asked them, so why'd you start coming to our church? They said, because I, I saw this person, I saw what God's doing in their life, and I saw the change He made in, in, in them, and in their marriage, and their children, and, and we knew that only the Lord can do that. And that's, that's an amazing thing, and that's what I want. I want our church to, to be a biblical church to where people see God's love and they see our lives so that we live out our faith every day. That it's not something that we just come to, uh, you know, a service or a building or something, but that, but that we're a body that's connected. And, you know, I know that, that churches in America are off course. Not all of them, but there's a lot for the majority, I believe, they're way off course. I don't know how we ever come to this place that we are and where we come up with this you know, show that we had going, but but the church is not what it should be. You know, I believe as a whole throughout our country, churches are full of hypocrisy and religion and and traditions and all that junk and entertainment, and we we appease the world and and it's, it's it, in so much that now you know if the world can come into a church and and be involved in church and lost people are comfortable there, something's not right about that. You know, the Bible teaches that God's spirit. You know, and lost people, they don't, they don't jihaw unless that person surrenders their life to the Lord. And so in that, I, I do believe, I've been listening to some uh, preaching on the radio this week, and it amazes me how you see different, different preachers all through the, not just the United States, but through the world are, are addressing this. And they're talking about it. I'm thinking God's stirring and God's moving because I think there's a lot of believers who are sick and tired of just the average you know, go to church services and you're not really seeing what the Bible talks about and, and, and we keep making excuses, you know, why people aren't being saved. And I'm thinking, man, the last time I checked, God's still alive. He's still on the throne. He's still willing. He still desires to, to save the lost. He still desires to 
to restore people's lives and to renew hope and, and to give life. And, and God's not dependent upon the American culture and He's not hindered by those things. All He's hindered by is our unbelief and our unwillingness to obey. And so in that, when you, when you look at <clears throat> the book of Ephesians, the Lord is speaking of the church throughout this entire book here. And he's talking about and refers to the church not only here but throughout the New Testament Scripture as the church as being a body. And if the, the only way you think about it, the greatest and most powerful way, we talk about witnessing, we talk about evangelizing, and some people take that and go, you know, and we should. We should absolutely go and speak and share the gospel and, and that. But I think, I think the way that God designed the church, one of the most powerful and effective ways is, is not just through individuals, but through the body, the, the church as a whole, in which that, that they see, the world sees the resurrected body of Jesus. When people saw Jesus out of the grave, they were astonished and they, they saw that He was the Lord. And if the Bible refers to the church as Christ's body, then we should be a representation as a whole of the resurrected Christ in which His Spirit fills His people. Now, when I talk about being connected, i got to clarify some of my communication that I've had over the last year. When we say, you know, you need to be connected, you need to be connected, a lot of people... Read this into that. I need to be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, I need to find a place where I can serve, but I don't teach. And 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 some some of you maybe think that that's all there is to serving is teaching, and it's not. But when I talk about being connected as a church body, we should be connected as a family that's functioning right is connected. In so much that I'm connected to my wife and to my children, and and outside of that, you know, to where we we become united together. You know, through the blood of Jesus, just like I'm united through the blood of my family. You know, blood, what do they say? Blood is blood thicker than water. Is that what they say? Is that what they say, Melissa? Pay attention, okay? So, so anyhow, I love it. But anyhow, the blood of Jesus is thicker than water. All right? And, and I consider you my church family. And we, uh, if you're not a part of a church, you need to be connected. You need to be involved in the church. And when I say that, I'm not just saying just on Sunday. I'm saying to where you know people. And you know what's going on in their lives. And you know what, what the church as a whole is involved in to where you can call and you can ask people to pray for you. And you can, you can share and you encourage those people and you exhort those people and you speak truth to those people and you love those people and you pray for those people. That's being connected. That's being part. That's being one. That's the way God designs it. And when you look in the Scripture, starting off in Ephesians chapter 4, <coughs> Looking in verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or beg you that you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And notice this, he, he's putting together a body, he, he puts together a group of people. He why does God always work through a group of people? I know that through the Scripture you see God uses individuals, but God as a whole works through a group of people. Just like He worked through the nation of Israel, He works through the New Testament church as a group of people. Because here's the thing, one person can't demonstrate the, the full nature and the character of God. Only Jesus could do that because He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, okay? So it takes a lot of people who believe the same thing, who come together and unite for one purpose, for us to be a picture or a demonstration of the character and nature of God because some of you might love a lot more than I do. Some of you might show more compassion. I might be more holy. I doubt it. Okay, But, but each one of us comes together as a body to reflect part of God's nature. That's the way He's designed us so that when we function as a whole, the world sees the resurrected body of Jesus and they know that He's alive. Ain't that incredible thank y'all y'all are widely awake this morning all right 
So we're going with you, Jeremy. We're going to do some bodybuilding, okay? Not literally, so y'all calm down, but, 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 but here's what God's doing. He's trying to put together a body. You know, in the book of Hebrews, and I didn't look it up, but it says, Offering or sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but thou hast prepared for me a body. You know, Christ has always been. Jesus has been from, he's the, he's the, he's the Son of God, the Spirit of God, okay? And so God prepared a body that he could enter into. That body was the body of Jesus, the physical man's body in which the Spirit of God indwelt fully, the God-man. And now, God is still preparing a body. That's what the church is. Is God's putting together, He's bodybuilding. He's put together a group of people, born again believers, who are prepared that He can dwell in and reveal Himself and His purpose to the world in order to fulfill what God has desired to do to save the lost people, okay? And so in that, a church is a body or a group of people who are born of God's Spirit. We believe the gospel of Jesus. That's what unites us together here as that group of people in order that God fills us and uses us. And it talks about that here, how we accomplish that. How do we come together as a body? In verse 2 it says, with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing or forbearing, with one another in love. And then here's what we're supposed to do in verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body. And I want you to notice here, God, is, God doesn't have superstars. No superstars in the body. It took, I think for too long, the church is has had a mindset in America of it's all about, you know, the pastor and his ministry. It's all about the worship team and their ministry, a few key leadership in the church, the people that we pay to do what God's called us to do. You know, and we have that mindset, whereas the Scripture doesn't teach us that. The Scripture says each one of us have a part in the body and that there's one body and God brings together and shows you what unifies us is the fact when we recognize that there's one body. Let me find my place again. There's one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, that's being baptized into Christ Jesus, as it says in Romans chapter 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Now he's talking to believers here, and he's making a point of the church is not about one or two people, you know, that, that they're the ones who's carrying the load, or they're the ones who gets all the opportunities. He said this whole thing is about what unites us together is when we come together here to go, we all believe the Word of God. It's the authority of our life. We all believe that Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for our sins in order that we could be saved. We are here because we were invited. That's what it means to walk worthy of your calling wherewith you have been called to. It means each one of us, if you're a child of God, been born again of God's Spirit, it's not because you worked your way or that you did something or you acted in such a way or that you were worthy of it. It means God in His mercy invited you. His Spirit opened your heart and went, look, this is somebody came along and shared the gospel with you. God gave you an invitation and that invitation doesn't go out to a select few. It goes out to everybody. Whosoever means whosoever. And so in that, God's invitation goes out for everybody. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you're saved, you simply received an invitation that was given to you. You were saved by grace. Every one of us here, we're on the same level, okay? We're all saved by grace. If you're saved, if you're not saved, you can be saved today by God's grace. He invites you. 
Simply to come to a place to go, I am a sinner. I believe God's Word that I'm a sinner, that I'm lost, that I'm going to go to hell because of my sin, because I'm choosing to go to hell, but I can be saved. God offered the blood of Jesus in your place so that you could simply humble yourself and receive God's gift of salvation. He'll save you, give you new life. That's exactly what happened to Miss Haley this week. Wasn't anything that she did. She simply come to the knowledge of the truth. She humbled herself and she received the invitation that Jesus died to give her. And so that puts us all in one place. And here's the thing. And I, th- I think, and, and I won't re-preach it because Jake preached on it. How do you like the way I remember your message, buddy? <coughs> Write that down, okay? But here's the thing. Jake preached on the body and the division within the body and that, that we should become together as one. And God's Word teaches how to do that. It says, in all lowliness, long-suffering. You know what to forbear means? It means sometimes I know that, that Mike is going to do some stupid things. He might even do some stupid things towards me. Now, I've got a choice there. I can either humble myself. You know why I would humble myself? Because I didn't deserve the grace that God showed me. I didn't deserve the love and the mercy that God showed me. And so I'm going to humble myself and go, I'm going to show Him that grace and mercy. Because one day, I will probably do something stupid to Him. And if we come to a place where we remove pride, pride is the the destroyer of the church. God's Spirit does not inhabit and work through a, a prideful body. It doesn't work through a divided body. It works through a united group of people who recognize, I'm only here by God's grace to start with, so I need to show grace to everybody here. I need to recognize that everybody's not like me. They don't think like me, thank the Lord. And, and that I'm not like them, and I don't think like them, and that we've all got little little tweaks and downfalls and struggles and and you know what that that by grace and here's the thing we can have a united body we can all come together and love each other because that's what it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit how in love we come to the place where i go if god can love me the the problem with division listen to me whether it's in the church or in a home division comes to one source and that is you think you're great and you ain't you understand what I'm saying? If you got division in your marriage, it's because you think that you're all that. And let me be the first one to say, you're not. And there's a reason that there's a division within the church is because I think that I'm all that and I'm not. And any time that Satan tries to bring a division, how do we war and battle against that to keep the unity of the Spirit? How do we endeavor? I humble myself. I humble myself and I pray for that person. I reach out to that person in love. The very one who's coming against me. That's what the cross is. And so if you're here today, and you know, people have marital issues all the time, it's natural, okay? But here's the thing, just like a church, it's natural for church sometimes to face difficulties and division, but, but you've got to battle that in the right way, and you've got to recognize that you have an enemy, and you'll either take the battle to him, or he'll bring the battle to you, and if he brings it to you, it means you're running the opposite direction, and you're fixing to get it. But when you take the battle to Him, you humble yourself and you reach out to that person and you show grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. And you might say, how many times? And my question would be, how many times does God show it to you? What did you do to deserve it? What did you do? Well, I've got a brother or sister over there across the church that I won't speak to. I'm going to walk in and I'm just going to... But when we do that, when we get that mindset, it's not about I'm going to leave and go to another church. No, stay and fix it. Don't leave and go to another marriage. Stay and endeavor and work at it and humble yourself and fix that and work to keep unity because that's what God's Spirit... Man, He works through that. He works through lowliness. And, you know, the Bible speaks of Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. The last time I checked, the Bible said Jesus was meek and lowly. Meek and lowly. It didn't say arrogant and prideful. All right? <clears throat> and so in that, 
We want to reflect who Jesus is. We want to be like Jesus. And so we have to be a body that's unified. Unified in the faith. Not coming up with all kind of crazy ideas and thoughts that's outside of the Scripture. Then look at the second thing real quick, okay? Notice he says here. And again, I know there's a lot of stuff about spiritual gifts that I'm not going to get into this morning. But I'm going to get into some that there's no arguing over, okay? He says in verse 7, But to each one of us, not just a select few, not the elite, each one, you're here and you say, I'm a born again believer. I've trusted in Jesus my Savior. Each one of us is of grace, a measure of grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended, means Christ came to the earth, into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended, he descended to the cross to die for our sins, rose from the grave. Verse 10, he who descended is also the one who has ascended far above all the heavens. That he might what? He wants to fill all things, fill the church, fill the body of believers. Okay? And so what this teaches here is each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That means if you're a born again believer, you have at least one gift that you were given. Now listen to me, I'll spend a little time right here. Don't get off into the whole you know, other stuff. I'm going to go over some of the gifts here in just a second. Each one of us was given a gift, and it's called a gift of grace. It is a supernatural gift that you were given by the Spirit of God when you were born again. Now listen to me. A lot of us confuse gifts with talents. And we look and we can say, I'll use Erica for instance, we can say, Erica's gift is singing. She's very talented. Now listen to me. That's not her gift. She does have the talent to sing. Her gift is exhortation because she chooses to use that gift to exhort us, each one of them up there, even just, even just playing an instrument. Don't have to sing, okay? Each one that's playing an instrument, they're using their talents, okay? But those talents are not their gift. Their gift of the Spirit is the fact that they're up there and it takes a lot of God's grace for them to be up there. They wouldn't normally choose to be up there. They're not leaving today and going off and singing somewhere publicly. They only do this by the grace of God that enables them to have the courage to go up there and to use a gift of exhortation to exhort us to worship the Lord. I think um, my gift that God's given me, and I'm not saying this, well, it means you're good at it, I'm not saying that at all, but the gift that God's given me is the gift of preaching, okay? It's not something I would naturally do. If I wasn't a preacher, I wouldn't go out and be a public speaker. I would avoid everybody and stay in the woods or on the water most of the times. I don't like being in front of people. But I do love preaching. And it's only by God's grace. I pray all the time. And every Sunday and every time I step up here, I'm scared to death. I'm always worried that I'm going to you know, say something that I shouldn't say. But, but by God's grace, that's what I'm saying. You can't use the excuse, well, I just I don't have anything. Yes, you do. Something God has given you. So well, what are these gifts? Look in Romans chapter 12 real quick. <clears throat> A little teaching this morning. Romans chapter 12 goes over some of the gifts. Like I say, I'm not going to get into the controversial junk because I, I think that divides. This is clear. No arguing. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Okay, We don't, we don't have to argue this. In Romans chapter 12, look in verse 5. This is how you serve God. You want to say, how do, I, how do I find my part? How do I connect in serving the Lord? He said, for I say in verse 3, through the grace given to me, 
to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function or the same gift. So we being many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, that means we're connected, having been gifts that differ according to what? To the grace that was given us, let us use them. If prophecy, and that word is preaching actually, declaring of the word of God, let us prophesy in the proportion to our faith. That means I, I don't necessarily have as much as what Billy Graham had. I'm not using that as an excuse, but God doesn't make us all the same. He doesn't give us the same amount of faith or the same amount of grace in that gift. Or ministry. That's just serving. Ministry could be how Randy goes out. And I appreciate he fixed all the lights that fell down out here in the building. Nobody else did that. He didn't do it because he got paid. He's using his gift. The gift of ministry. The gift of ministry comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means just simply to serve. Whatever way you get an opportunity to serve. It doesn't have to be in the church. Maybe somebody has a flat tire and they call you and go, Hey, brother, I've got a flat on the side of the road. And you go help that person. That's ministry. Maybe somebody has you know, something broke or somebody just needs somebody to, to spend time with. That's ministry. Whatever you do in the name of Jesus, in, within the body, whatever it is, God allows your creativity to work. It's a ministry. It's using your gift. It's just simply serving in some capacity. Being a servant. Washing feet, if that's what your deal is. That's not my deal. Alright? Y'all wait? Alright, you 13, listen to the rest of this. It says, let us use our ministry, let us use it in, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts, exhorts means you, you encourage people to walk with the Lord, you encourage people to see. I drive kids crazy. I went out with Travis Neal last Sunday and, and me and my wife uh, was talking and said, Travis, have you ever, have you ever prayed about God calling you to preach? You ever told the Lord you was willing to preach? You know, that's exhorting. I'm encouraging him to seek after it. What is God's plan for your life? What is God's dream for your life? You know, have you ever sought after what God wants you? I want to encourage you, even though you're in a time of darkness, that you seek the Lord. Okay? That's exhorting people and encouraging people to seek after the Lord. Maybe you have that gift. And, and like I said with the worship team, they exhort us to, to worship and to join in singing to the Lord. He who gives. Say, see, now God calls all of us, all of us to give, but there are some cheerfulness and they give because they desire to you know that that's a supernatural gift and it's not just money it's just it's giving whatever's needed and, and they and they enjoy it and they represent Christ in that and so it talks about giving as a gift there and then it says he who leads or that's the gift of what we call the gift of administration it's a role of leadership they can take a group of people and they can lead them in the direction that God has them to lead let him do it with diligence he who shows mercy Mercy is compassion. It means you see somebody who, who is hurting, somebody who has a need, some, something, and your, your heart goes out to those people like Jesus saw the multitude who was hungry, and he was compassionate. He moved his compassion. He showed mercy to those people, and he fed them. And so if you study that out, you can figure out what your gift is. It's not a real difficult thing. You don't got to search for 25 years before you figure it out. If you do, come to me, and I'll let you figure it out real quick, okay? <clears throat> but here's the thing. Going down real quick, and I'm gonna finish up. This time flies by. Looking in chapter four of Ephesians again. I'll let you get back there. If anybody needs to leave, you can go. 
All right, looking back in Ephesians chapter 4, notice what his whole purpose is this, okay? He says that he gives us gifts. Then in verse 11 he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. God gives that to the church. What does he give it for? Number 1 in verse 12, For the equipping of the saints. My purpose as your pastor is to equip you for battle. To, to try to train you, to prepare you, to feed you, okay? So that you have the proper equipment that you can carry the battle out there, okay? That so you can lead people to the Lord so that you can walk with the Lord and know Jesus in a greater way, that you're familiar with the Word. Now listen to me. I can stand up here and throw seed all I want to, but if, you're, if your heart's a rock, it ain't doing you no good. Don't blame it on me. Y'all with me? you got to receive it, okay? Second thing is... He, that you equip the saints, what? For the work of the ministry. Each one of us should be in some kind of work of the ministry. Third thing, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, so if we are doing the work of the ministry, we're being equipped, and we're edifying or building up the body, we're building up one another, we're encouraging one another, he's talking about building a body, making a body that is strong. Okay, this is where the bodybuilding part comes in. In order for you to be a bodybuilder, you cannot do it by watching somebody else on TV do it. And my wife used to watch him aerobics. <laughs> Exercise video, she'd be in there in the living room doing all that crazy stuff. You know what I would do? I'd walk by and go, man, I wish I wasn't fat. I didn't do it with her. I didn't do the whole Tybo thing. It wasn't in me. I even washed it a couple of times. I picked up the little rubber ball that she uses and it just, it wasn't for me. Nothing happened for me. I didn't get in shape. I didn't get, you know, ripped and all that stuff. I just kept getting bigger. I was out of shape, lethargic. I washed it all the time. I washed it, I washed it, nothing happened. You know why? Because I wasn't exercising. And the way that a church body matures, and that's what he's talking about here. Let me finish this. I got way off track right there. You'll yeah, be the only part of the message you remember. But notice what it says. It says in verse 13, Till we all come to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. It's not talking about perfect as I don't sin, but that word means to a complete. Completely mature. I'm fully grown. Till we come a perfect man. I mean, if this Bible is a little bitty. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. Notice what it says, that we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, by that every joint supplies according to the effective working, notice what it says here, by which every part does it share it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love what is God doing in the body he's trying to grow us he wants to make us strong so that he can fill us you know how much of an impact is a three-year-old have on your life not much but you take a fully grown person they can do some work they can accomplish some things and God's trying to build a body of believers together in order that we become a strong representation of Jesus, that we can handle the Word of God, that we are surrendered to God working our life, that we're doing the things of ministry that we love and that we care about one another, that we're carrying out there and the world is seeing Christ alive and strong and vibrant within us. That's what a church should be. And so in that, say, how do you accomplish that? You have to exercise. You know what faith is? Faith is, not just I believe in God and I go to church. Faith is, you know, I can believe in Tybo and sit on the couch. 
Faith is when you take the gift God's given you, if you're a born-again believer, and you begin to exercise that gift. You know when my faith grew the most? When I started exercising the gift. When I started preaching, man, wet behind the ears, scared to death, nervous as a cat, and all the other excuses that a lot of people use. But I loved God enough to overcome that. I trusted in His grace, and I started trying to exercise that. And I started growing. I started learning the Bible that I that I've been in church for 25 years that I should have already known, but I didn't know it. But I knew that Sunday was coming, so what did I do? I started exercising. I took every opportunity, and I still will, whatever opportunity God gives me, and I try to be faithful with that. Does it always go well? Obviously not. There's a million people say, No. Are you doing what God's called you to do? Trying my best. And if each one of us do that, and you begin to, you know what happens? You begin to mature and grow, and you see God, and you become stronger. And all of a sudden, God knits this church body together to where the community goes, that's crazy. We see Jesus alive in that church. Not just a bunch of hypocrites who go on Sunday, but they're stupid. You know, they're living, you know, for Jesus and talk about Jesus, and they're showing love, and they're showing mercy, and they're, they're loving their enemies. And listen to me, use your gift. Not, there's a lot of you who use your gift, but you're using it on your family and friends. And that's good. But you should use your gifts on your enemies. On the people who are against you. On the people who don't want to hear it from you. On the people who don't want you doing anything for Him. Because Jesus said, you know what? Sinners love their friends and family. And that's why He said, do good to your enemy. Bless them. Speak well to them. Pray for your enemies. Why? Because when you do those things to strangers and to people who are against you, and they see Christ more than anything else in you. Because it's not natural, it's supernatural. So let me finish up. It's very important, so important, that the people of this world see Jesus and hear the truth. You never know what's going on. One thing I learned is that you never know what's going on in the life of the person, even the one sitting right next to you. i got a man that I'm in contact with most every day. Talk to him through the week, I work... He works at a business <clears throat> that I'm involved with. Super good guy. He's just a jolly, happy-go-lucky every time you see him. I've never seen him. He's just always in a good spirit and this and that. And this man, this week I seen him and, and he, uh, he said, you know, you ought to, we was in, in that business place, and he said, you know, you ought to answer your phone when it rains. And Jeremy went to my defense. He got kind of defensive about it. He said, you don't ever know what he's doing. He might have been up on a roof holding two boards and a nail gun or in a conversation with somebody else. He can't always just drop everything he's doing and answer his phone. It's like, easy. <laughs> <clears throat> and so he followed us outside. And he said, oh, I was just, I wasn't saying nothing. And Jeremy wasn't ugly spirited, but it was just, uh, as a matter of fact. And, and uh, he said, I, I tried to call you because I hung myself. He said, I tried to take my life. And I was like, it just, honestly, it just totally flipped me out. I was like, what? You know, he, he says he's a believer. And I said, what do you mean you tried to take your life? He said, man, I just got to that place. And he said, I didn't see no hope. And I just, he said, I tied a rope around my neck and tried to hang myself. He said, I'm glad it didn't work. He said, but, and, and honestly, he's a person you would never think that. And I tried to talk to him, you know, there for a little bit of courage. I apologized. I'm sorry I didn't answer my phone. But he calls me a lot and says, hey, we... We took care of this, or we did this, and blah, 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 just giving me information, so no big deal. I never expected a phone call like that. And I never expected that man to be in that place. You never know who God's got you right beside. You never know what's going through the head. You never know when they're going to step into eternity. 
Maybe, maybe I have some of those people here today. I don't know what you're contemplating in your head. I don't know where you're at with the Lord. I might bury you this week. I don't know. I hope not. I, I wasn't expecting to go to a wreck last night. But the God's honest truth is, you might attend a funeral of a friend or a family member this week. You don't know. We don't control that. And it's so vital. Because listen to me, one or two or, or ten people, I can't be where you are. God does it. Just like God didn't bring that man into your pathway, He brought him into mine and Jeremy's. God brings people in your pathway probably weekly that are in a desperate place who, who are lost and need Jesus, who need direction. My wife talked to a young man at Walmart this week, and he was just totally oblivious to the gospel. Didn't have a clue, needed some super direction. She talked to another one at a barrel race that's lost as a goose probably. I'm thinking if nobody speaks, if nobody represents Jesus, then how will these people ever know? How will they hear? And the question is, do we really care? Do we really care that people are going to die and literally go to hell and burn for all eternity and face the wrath of God when we hold the very hope that they need? It's very important. God didn't call you to stand up here and preach. If He did, get up here and get about it. But He did call you to do what your part is. Whatever that part is, that's between you and the Lord. And He gives you the grace to do that. And don't look at your part as, well, my part might just be a little bit. No, no. It's all under the same Spirit. One Spirit, one Lord. That's who we're here to serve. And if we all do that, we will turn this world upside down. And I do want to ask you this morning, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior... Listen to me. I don't know what you've been told or what you've been sold, but it ain't a church thing. It has nothing to do with religion. It has the fact that you're in a desperate place. You might not realize that, but you're in a desperate place. Because of your sin, just like me, you face a day of judgment. Every one of us, the Bible says, the point on the man wants to die. And after that, we face the judgment. And if you die in your sins, having never turned to the Lord and ask God to forgive you and save you that He's the Lord of your life I'm not talking about a sinner's prayer or some little I'm talking about you I don't care where you are in the king's living room or out in the woods or in a church service that you humbled your heart before God acknowledging I'm a sinner and I believe that you're the Savior and I want you to be the Lord of my life if you die you're going to spend eternity in hell by your own choice by your own choice having turned down the invitation that God died to give you that's serious business. And I want so bad. Why do you keep preaching so long? Because I want so bad for you to get that. More than you can imagine. I want marriages to be healed. I want families to have peace. I want kids to grow up in homes to where they see the Lord and this love and, and good and, and happy and unity and kindness. That's what Jesus does. He does that. And He offers it to any and every person who will humble themselves to go, Lord, I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to obey your word and I'm going to trust in the grace that you're going to do what you can do. He'll do it every time. So whatever your need is this morning, I can tell you that Jesus is the answer. And you hold the heart what you're going to do with it. You're either going to close it up or you're going to open it up. Can you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed?